Podcast. I'm Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball, and we got a special guest with us here today. Adam Howe is joining us. Adam is a fellow Pitcherlist writer and podcast host. He's the host of the On the Wire podcast on the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. You can find Adam on Twitter at 80 grade, which I have to say that is an 80 grade Twitter handle. Pun intended. <laughs> that's what I was going for, but it's but it's a legit. It's a that, that's great. I, I'm a big fan. I'm pretty sure I only got the Twitter handle so that I could be introduced in that way. So, Chad, you you hit the nail on the head. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I didn't want to mess that up, but it's a it's a great one. It is a great one. It is way better than where you can find me on Twitter, which is the very very creative at Chad Young. And Pete, you're somewhere in between. He, you can find Pete at Pete B Baseball. It's you know it's more creative than me just being like this is my name. I've Please threatened to change my middle name to base in the past so I could be Peter Baseball, but uh, I've yet to actually follow through on that threat. A lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. I think you should do it. I can't change. We can my have name a special again, episode man. of Keeper Cut where you fill out all the paperwork. We could like, Live we could record air. you going to the courthouse or whatever it is you have to do. I, I Week think we, I think 37 we of the lockout. <laughs> this is the content that we need. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, there, if there's no baseball by July, we have no choice but to record an episode where Pete changes his name. I will take one for the team in that case. All right. We have a plan. Mark it down, everybody. <laughs> you heard it here. So, Adam, thanks for joining us. We're going to ask you the, the question we ask all of our guests is, we got you here because we want to talk keeper leagues. Hopefully you play in some keeper leagues. And I'm, I'd love to know, like, what are some of the unique or different rules in some of the keeper leagues you play in? Sure. Well, I'm in two, I mean, officially keeper leagues. We talked a little bit off air. One of them is a dynasty league and one of them is a three sport keeper league. So it's a league of leagues through the pitcher list community. And I mean, that one, I, I feel as though the, the, the settings are pretty standard there. Keep uh, X amount of players per sport and you lose three rounds of draft spots based on where you picked them the year before. So I think that's pretty standard. You can't keep anybody you draft in the first three rounds, obviously. And you, I mean, it's a three-sport league, so you can trade players from different sports. Um, so you can trade Cole, Garrett Cole, for LeBron James if you really wanted to, if, if it worked out that way. So, I mean, that's a three-sport leagues are not super common i guess but they're out there i think the rules that we have for that are pretty pretty standard as far as that format goes for my dynasty league though we keep 21 out of the 26 active roster players so it's a you know keep forever type of dynasty league you still keep the players though so i'm still going to count this as a keeper league setting and this this league's been going around this will be his 20 22nd year we started in 2001 and so we've gone through a lot of different iterations of different weird rules and one of my favorite rules that we have currently we actually had a couple years ago and it got it got vetoed out and then we brought it back there this year it's a head-to-head league 12 teams and we we have a more recent rule as of last year is that we made it so that the top three teams from each division make the playoffs so it's not necessarily it's just like real baseball so it's not necessarily you have the top six records make the playoffs 
it's a top three in the Eastern division and the top three in the Western division, as we call them. And so last year I made the playoffs, but I had the eighth worst or the eighth best winning percentage across the entire league, just because of the way the rules were, were placed. So this year we are reinstituting a rule where we have an, an uneven schedule. So we're going to play more time. We're going to play the teams in the East more times than we play the teams in the West. It's a three to one ratio throughout the course of the season, assuming we have an exact amount of, you know, 21 weeks worth of games to play during the regular season, in the head to head league. Besides that, you know, it, I mean, we have a lot of fun little rules here that we can uh, DFA players. And when we drop them and we can basically allows us to trade them, even though we've dropped them throughout the course of the, the season. And then our minor league rules are, we, we don't, we, when we first started the league, we could do, it was a statistical plateau, just like, you know, rookie eligibility. Um, but we've made it so that basically when you, when you draft a minor leaguer in the minor league draft, you have, you have them under contract for four years. And once you call them up, you can option them down back to your minor league system throughout the course of the season, as many times as you want. But then their their minor league contract runs out, and they have to be kept on their on your major league roster. So there's a lot of changes that we've made in that league that we try to mimic the major leagues as much as possible. I mean, sometimes we do that. Like we have a waiver trading period after the trade deadline that obviously Major League Baseball has done away with at this point, but we've kept it around just because it's kind of fun. But we did it specifically because Major League Baseball had something similar um, to it. So I, I think that's always going to be, as we talk about kind of these things that we're going to talk about today, one of my biggest things is I like to make my league, like whatever, it doesn't have to be exact, but like the rules that you do should kind of mimic what you're watching in, in my opinion. So any rules that we've made in that league, I try to push to make it mirror major league baseballs, you know, as much as we can. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, that was, you go back to the the early days of developing auto new, and that was a lot of the conversation that Niv Shah created auto new and myself and another friend of ours who created it. Like that was, that was the conversation was like, I don't know, like real GMs aren't just like doing a snake draft and blah, blah, blah. Like how can, how can we make this more realistic? And that's why there's salaries. You got a budget. You got to work within. You've got there is a waiver period, right? When you cut a guy for a couple of days, anybody can claim him and take on his salary. And so I, I'm totally with you on that. I love that kind of stuff. The waiver trade period is kind of awesome. Like I love that you're mimicking baseball from like five years ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we instituted it, like two years later, they got rid of it, and we're like, oh. Oh, well, we're going to keep it. <laughs> oh, we're keeping it. So for a league that's been around that long, is there anyone like who's the longest standing player on your team? Like, is there anyone on your team you've been keeping for like a decade? I had Posey. Technically, he's still on my roster because we haven't made our official cuts yet. Posey probably would have been my longest standing. And I, I do plenty of trades in this league. I make plenty of moves. So it's rare to see one guy stay on my team for forever. I think uh, I, I had David Ortiz at the beginning of his career and the end of his career, but nothing in the middle. So that was somebody that was fun. Be and beginning then, of his career, like actual beginning of his career, or beginning of his career when he went to Boston, Boston and yeah, yeah, in Boston That's, when he was, was fantasy relevant. His when is fantasy relevant? <laughs> I, I forgot that I was talking to two Red Sox fans, right? Like, so I got to be. What do you mean here. he played for somebody else? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. There were no years before that. He just magically <laughs> appeared out of nowhere in Boston. Yes. Well, he was David Arias before and then he came here and he was david ortiz even though that's not entirely true that's how i view it in my head yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. i'm down with that and he never took steroids so be it so so posey was your longest standing guy i i assume he's not gonna be one of your 21 
this year. I, yeah, I mean that sometimes that twenty first keeper is not that important. I might do it for for effect and you know maybe, set a record. This, yeah. is, this is like when guys <laughs> sign a one day contract to retire. Yeah, exactly. With their old team, you're like, nope. Buster's gonna be around for one more year. He'll get cut at the first fab period, but <laughs> I think you should do that. And then make sure he knows. You should send him a note. Find a I'll way to a contact Buster yeah. and be like, hey, Buster, I thought you should know. I'm keeping you anyways. Dude, he would care so much. <laughs> Retiring your number. You're not, it's... <laughs> no one else on my fantasy team will ever be able to wear your number. That'd be a, that'd be a problem for you, probably. <laughs> it's That's not a rule a you want to have. That's... <laughs> Yeah, not so much. Sorry, I can't accept this trade, actually. His number is the same as Buster. <laughs> I right. can't have anybody else with number 25. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. I think we've, we've gone into enough depth on that. But we've got, we're getting you into a, another Keeper League because we are starting two Keeper Cut Listener Keeper Leagues. And Adam is going to be in one of them. Pete and I are in both. But we are, we're going to co-manage in one of them. One of them, we each have our own team. Adam, I think that's the one you're in. I think you get to have, you have to compete against both of us. And oh, then perfect. the other league, Pete and I are gonna gonna share a team, which will be interesting because we don't always agree on people. So <laughs> we're gonna we, we had during the podcast league last year in the draft, our draft was like, should we take a pitcher or a hitter? And we would just stare at each other. It's like, well, I know what Pete's gonna say, and he knows what I'm gonna say. So <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> but We'll get to live that again, Pete. It'll be exciting. Yeah, that'll be fun. I think I think we're more aligned this year than we were last year, based on based on our early takes here. I, we're closer this year than we were last year. Yeah, I think that's true. I certainly come around to like I've, Tanner Houck is is on my list of guys I'm targeting this year. I've come around to some of your guys. So, but I still don't. There take was no anymore. eye roll. There was no eye roll there at all. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but I still don't take pictures. I'm in two mock drafts right now with some pitcher list folks, and I'm picking second in one and 14th in the other. And I, my first pitcher taken in the one where I'm pitching second was in the fifth round. I took Logan Webb, and in the one where I'm picking 14th, Liam Hendricks fell to me in the fourth, so I took him. But then the first starting pitcher I took was in the fifth round where I took Logan Webb. So apparently, fifth round Logan Webb is my sweet spot, which is. <laughs> A thing I just learned about myself and good to know. It's good. To, it's a good thing to know. Yes. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's bad. No, I, 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 like know, that. yeah. I, I knew when I started to build out my rankings for this and where this is, these are mock drafts being set up for TGFBI. So there's you know different settings and stuff. We're not getting into that. But when I set up my board for it, I, I could tell web was high for me and then I was going to end up with him, but I didn't expect it to be both, but there we are. Anyways, what we want to do today on this episode is we've got these two listener leagues we need to figure out the settings. The only thing we know so far is that we're going to be on fan tracks. That's where we're going to set up the leagues. But we got a lot of open questions and we thought it'd be sort of fun to have Adam on and have a debate here. What are the best settings for fantasy baseball, especially for keeper leagues? And so we've got a series of topics we're going to try to get to. We want to talk about the scoring, how standings are set, what's the draft going to look like, roster sizes and lineups. How do you do in-season pickups? And then of course keepers how many do you have what's the price all that kind of stuff so we're going to start moving through that and we're going to start off right at, right at the top with the the sort of it's the first thing anyone asks about your keeper league or or any fantasy league really is oh is it is it five by five is it points how is your scoring done adam i'm going to put it to you first like what is your what's your preferred scoring for fantasy i'm boring um and i actually do prefer a standard five by five roto 
categories and every single one of my leagues is set up that and I've you know, I drafted a lot of teams this offseason on NFBC formats. You know, every single league there is five by five roto style. Uh, my second dynasty league, which I didn't get into, is OBP. So that'll be, I think that's my only one that's OBP. Even my auto new league is just standard five by five category and, roto. And when you do your head to heads, do you do five by five categories? Yes. So I'm in, well, I guess my dynasty league is a head to head, and that is categories as well. And then Every and then all of our like PL staff leagues are head to head categories, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's what I'm used to. So I, my gut is usually just like, hey, I want to go with what I know rather than having to learn something new. So I also I, I joined one of the Earth leagues. I'm in I'm in Glarf this year, and all the way up until last year, they were an OBP league and they were on Fantrax. So they are moving to NFBC format where they have to take on batting average instead and be standard five by five. And I was perfectly fine with that because <laughs> it's not something I had to like re not relearn per se, but like readjust all my rankings and, and realize w- the type of players I'm going after uh, in this league or that league. So I tend to do that. That's me personally. I, I see the value in, in switching it up a little bit. I think that I, I would. You're, you're I, trying to be I, politically. You're like, I can I see am, the I am. value, but <laughs> it's not for me. I think me. it's a terrible idea and I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that then. Yeah, I prefer standard five by five because it's also when you're listening and when you're reading other people's work, the, the number one thing that you're, you're you're assuming that they're talking about. Like when I talk on on the wire, I'm almost all the time talking five by five, and it's like it's the most standard thing to talk about. When we talk about points, I mean, I, personally, I can't stand points leagues because I don't again don't want to have to learn all the intricacies of the rules. Now there's ways you can manipulate if you do learn them and you know, you find the right auction calculator or or what have you, you can find the values and I've played in points leagues. I'm not against them, but I wouldn't want to start a league with points leagues and then have everybody kind of like scrambling to try to figure out what those points should be worth and you know, why that's again, I'm also not going to be talking about those on the pod because everybody's league in points leagues is different. What about you, Pete? What's your, what's your preferred scoring? Yeah. I, so I agree with what a lot of Adam said there. I don't, I don't like points. I'm not going to play in a single points league this year for sure. If I'm playing for, for scratch, if I'm playing for money, then I like Roto because with me. I play in a points league with you. Okay. All right, all right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's fan graphs points. Like that's to me, that's different. That's a very unique system. That like I it, it took me a year to learn like I don't even consider that like a points league to me that's auto does that make sense like <laughs> yes and, like, and for those okay. who are the 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 auto new the auto new league that Pete and I compete against each other in is a Fangraphs points league head to head so he's just lying to yeah. you. no that was actually like really funny but um no 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 honestly other than that one league and i enjoy that because it's so different i'm not a big points league kind of guy if i'm playing for money i i prefer roto because obviously there's the best team wins you know like the best team wins in roto i find head-to-head categories though so much more fun like so much more exciting rivalries you're facing a different person each week and i think head-to-head categories gets this like negative like, ah, well, it just takes luck to win. Like, first of all, it takes luck to win any of this. Like, let's let's stop hyping ourselves up more than, than we should. Not that there's any skill involved. I'm not trying to say that or I'm going to upset everybody in the industry. But, like, there's a lot of luck to winning fantasy baseball. 
at the same time, in in head-to-head categories, there's still some skill involved. Like you've got a week, you've got to figure out, all right, who are the two start matchups? You got to still budget out your fab if it's a fab league. You you have to do all sorts of different things, especially when those critical weeks come to make sure that you win. And there's tons of strategy. Like to me, Adalberto Mondesi, for example, is a much more interesting player in head-to-head head-to-head categories as opposed to Roto. And somebody like Brandon Lau is is much less interesting to me in head-to-head categories than road than uh, standard Roto because Lau's very streaky. There's going to be weeks where he ruins it for you. Whereas Mondesi, even if he misses half the season, the half the season where he's there, he's going to dominate those weeks for you in stolen bases. So like there's, there is strategy in head-to-head categories that I don't think it gets enough credit for. I think injured play, like injury prone players kind of fit that bill as well. We're talking about Pete with Mondesi. Like I, I, I have no problem holding on to like Mike Trout, even though everybody says that he's, you know, he could miss time. He's injury prone, but it doesn't matter as long as he doesn't miss September. Right. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that for, you know, for the most part. And I, I tend to agree with you. I, I love head to head categories specifically when I know the majority of the people in my league, like I wouldn't join a public league in that cat, in that format, because what you said, it, it you create these rivalries over time. And if you don't, already have like a known rivalry with somebody or you don't know the people that you're supposed to be having a rivalry with it takes a lot of the kind of the, a lot of the hot air out of, out of the out of the the balloon if you will and it, it it's not as interesting uh, we love sports because sports have championships there's no championship in a roto league it's just like oh the season ended and the guy who's been leading since may won spoken like a true american sports fan because those of us who are fans right you get like the Premier League, all the top European leagues have, it's just, it's it's effectively a season-long points league. That, that, that is what, like, the Premier <laughs> League is. It's season-long points. You get three for a win and one for a draw, and whoever has the most at the end wins, and they got some tournaments thrown in there and stuff, but... I did I not know. know that, and I hate that. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's <laughs> no playoffs. <laughs> like, like, where the, do your Tom Brady's and David Ortiz's rise to the occasion, then? Like, it, it's just a regular season league. Okay, right. I, I, mean, I don't know like, anything about this, so <laughs> we'll have a separate. So this is this is the week after Pete changes his name. We'll have an episode where Chad teaches week thirty eight content. Yes, yes, week thirty eight of the lockout. <laughs> there we go. So I'm aligned with you guys in some ways and not in others. I don't love points. I, I enjoy points leagues. I play in a couple of Fangraphs points leagues on Auto New, one Saber points league. Like I. I like points leagues. They're fine. I think Roto is much more interesting. I think I'm going to get in trouble with people for saying this, but I think they are the the chess to the points league checkers. The The thing about a points league is I can tell you now. Now you guys can hear the dog barking. The dog really likes points leagues. Yeah. Yeah. He's mad at me about this. He's not in agreement. He's just not giving up. Uh, anyways, he's gone now for a moment. Like in a points league, I can definitively tell you which player is more valuable than another. Maybe only in retrospect, right? I mean, like, I obviously, I, I can't predict the future. But at the end of the season, I can tell you this player was more valuable than that player. I can't do that in a Roto League, at least not as easily, right? Even when you look at the Raswell player rate or ESPN player rate or something like that, it says this player was worth more. But that depends, Right, like a player. It's also in a vacuum, right? Yeah, yeah. A, you can have a twenty dollar guy and a nineteen dollar guy, but if the twenty dollar guy is more steals and the nineteen dollar guy is more power, and you needed steals, then you needed like that's what you needed. If you needed power, you needed the other guy. So 
it I, I to me there's more there's more intrigue in it there's more I don't know. There's just more strategy. I, I find it more interesting. So I also prefer either roto or categories. I I am <laughs> sorry. My my dog is like making these weird howling noises that I've never heard him make before, and I, he just I think I think he really is upset that I don't like points leagues for some reason. <laughs> he won't let it go. Yeah. I think part of it too is that baseball is such a statistics driven sport, right? Like the home run king and the strikeout king, and the 500 homers, and this, and this, and that. Like, to boil that, to simplify that down to points, and obviously I realize that those stats go into points leagues. I know the points don't come out of thin air. But, like, it's a stat-driven sport. I remember as a kid growing up flipping the the Boston Herald over so I could open it up and look at the stats. And it wasn't like, here's, you know, the points leaders. It was, here's the home run leader. Here's the RBI leader. Here's the run leader. And, like, so that nostalgia built up in me i guess is is another reason why i prefer the categories as opposed yeah. to just some point I, total yeah I, I agree i think where i break from you guys a little bit is i like unique categories like i'm fine with five by five but like one of the things that was a big challenge for me last year is the staff leagues and tgfbi are both five by five and like i have i just have no sense like i don't have the same innate sense of that format that most fantasy players do because i don't i don't play it like it's not what i do so i like to me i would yes categories yes roto if we're doing season long but i would do like i would do obp instead of average i think it's like it's a more interesting stat i i would do saves plus holds because i hate the fact that like chasing closers is so important like there's like little tweaks like that that i would make i also like when there's just like interesting different stats that get thrown in i know some leagues use like inning innings pitched instead of wins so i i like a little bit of variety in there but it sounds like it certainly sounds like neither of these leagues are going to be points leagues should they should they both be head <laughs> to head gathered yeah i'm, I'm in I, camp I, head I, to head yeah like all the way but i'm, I'm willing to hear adam and how, how how many teams are there again? There's 12? They're both 12 teams. So if it was head-to-head, you'd make it six teams make the playoffs. Top two uh, get buys, I'm assuming. We could we could debate that too. Well, I guess we can discuss that. Yeah. Sure. That's <laughs> the point of this episode, right? But yeah, in a typical, I mean, a typical 12-team league head-to-head, the uh, top six teams make the playoffs. Top two would get buys in the first round, depending on how many rounds you want to make the playoffs. I, I, again, I'll just echo my first statement about if I know... a a, a majority or even just like half of the people in the league, this is way more interesting to me. But if I don't, then I'm, I, I'm much more prone to saying it should just, just be Roto and let quote the best team win after it's all said and done. Now, the flip side of that is in a Roto league, you know, more than likely if you're in or out of it by say mid season, and you do get more of an opportunity for teams, especially if it's not a, a cash league, that you're going to get more and more teams kind of dripping to the wayside and not paying as much of attention. And so in a head-to-head league, there's still that outside chance. You're still fighting for that playoff spot because, as we always say, there, anything can happen in the playoffs, especially in the head-to-head categories of league. So I think I just might have talked myself into the fact that like, I think that that aspect of it could elongate the competitiveness of the regular season. If it is a head to head with playoffs scenario, because you have those teams that are in eighth place, ninth place, 10th place that if they've been competing most of the season, 
they still can see a window of opportunity to jump into that sixth seed and push into the playoffs. Yeah, I will say, be, being that these are going to be keeper leagues, you get a little bit of advantage where, like, if the, you know, somebody who's out of it midway through the season still has reason to engage and something to do. Now, they don't have reason to engage in a head-to-head matchup, which is maybe a little bit more, like, if you're, I don't know. That's like one of the trouble. One of the struggles with head to head is that like your last three weeks of the regular season, there's probably two teams that are just atrocious at this point because they've sold their most expensive, <laughs> least but you've capable gotta, stars. You've got or they're tanking mind. because You're, they're going for a better draft pick. Right. That, that that right there is how you fix this problem. So in my keeper leagues, so I'm in a 16 team head to head league, and the top six teams make the playoffs. The first overall pick in next year's draft goes to the team that finished in seventh. Yeah. So there's an absolute incentive to to finish as strong as you can. And it do, it can't just end there. It has to be like if you finish in eighth, you get the second overall pick. If you finish in ninth, you get the third, so on and so forth. So there's a real like push to move towards the top. Now, depending on our keeper settings, that might not matter as much. But I, at least historically in, in my leagues, that's been enough of incentive for teams to avoid the tanking. And I, it's a listener league. I'd be surprised if guys start tanking it. That's, that's probably true. And I mean, the other flip side, you could do, go even a step further, Pete, and make it. So at least in Yahoo, I don't know if Fantrax does this, but in Yahoo, you have the consolation bracket in your head-to-head leagues. So you could say that that's a whole different play. That playoff, that consolation playoffs determines your draft order for next year. Instead of just like whoever finishes in seventh based on standings, now you're fighting it out in their in your own playoffs. Does Fantrax have that? Does Fantrax have a consolation? I guess we'll have to find out. I'd guess they do because even ESPN has it. So if they have it, then <laughs> the one thing you know I, I'll say about the consolation ladder is that we've got to make sure that teams that are in the playoffs are okay with teams that are technically out of contention with like dropping players, which yeah. has been a little bit of a hot button issue in a few of my leagues in the past. So. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's not like it's a redraft league. I mean, everybody's still in it. They're in it for next year to better position themselves. So we should be okay with it. But all of a sudden, you know, when pitcher X, who's been rostered all year and is 90% rostered, gets dropped in the final week, and, and that's that's dropped by a team that's not in the playoffs and a team that is in the playoffs picks them up, that could get a little, little ugly. Yeah, that, you get that issue. You also get the, like, the team in ninth place making a higher fab bid or something for, like, an important closer or something like that. We'll have to, (laughs) I don't know how much you can hear my my dynasty, but he's just like, he won't stop. (laughs) And I don't really understand why he's doing this. He never does this. He's really passionate about keeper settings. (laughs) Anyway, I I think what we're, what we're circling around here is one of these leagues for sure. And I think it should be the one that Adam is in based on his preferences should be a traditional five-by-five head-to-head league, right? I mean, I think that's that's what we're getting. I think the question is the other one. Do we want to do Do we want to do OBP? Do we want to do saves plus holds? Do we want to do both? And then do we want that one to be head-to-head? But I think we're definitely doing two Roto leagues. So the question is season-long Roto scoring or categories head-to-head? And then do we want to mess with the categories at all for the second league? So, I, I mean, I guess this is this is my own, again, me spending almost my entire fantasy career on ESPN is that to me, like Roto is is just rotisserie scoring. And then there's head to head categories. So I just want to make sure I'm clear on the sorry on the yeah. language there. Okay. So yes, Le- league one, which is the one that Adam is in will be a five by five head to head categories, <laughs> traditional categories, 
head to head. There will be playoffs. We'll figure out the details in the playoffs, but there there will be playoffs. I think that's where we're going to start with that. The other okay. one will also be either categories or roto. And the question is, do we want it to be head to head categories or do we want it to be roto? And then secondarily, do we want to like do OBP, saves plus holds? anything else like that quality starts instead of wins anything like that we should do so i'm, Pete, I'm do all think? about i'm all about mixing up the categories i'm not a traditional five like most of my leagues are first of all the one category you haven't mentioned yet is wins which i hate and i i always hate when people go to war against quality starts because i feel like saying you realize the alternative is wins which is not as good like i realized that you know three earned runs and six innings pitch is a four and a half era which is not good but you know we all realize that you can give up nine earned runs and technically win a game like it, it quality starts is a definitively better start than or better category than win so that's the one i'd advocate for most of all and if we want to do obp instead of average I, i'd be cool with that i'm not a big fan of holds okay to be honest but i, I honestly i'm willing to do what whatever you guys want to do let's let's do obp and quality starts and you want to make that one a season long roto so we just have a something different yeah that's cool with me. all right there we go so the, the the other category that um you want to consider instead of quality starts is i think i think this was being pushed a lot last season is innings pitched instead of either wins or quality starts just i think what that does is obviously helps you better understand the quality pitcher that can go deeper into games for the starters and then also gives more of a flexibility to what kind of relievers that you're bringing onto your roster and it doesn't necessarily it gives more value to those long relievers instead if you can't get those saves if you're not going to pay up for the saves at least you're gaining that extra category from players that you wouldn't normally roster what do you think about that pete i'm not in this league innings though, pitch so instead of quality sure. starts or do you want to stick with quality starts <laughs> So normally I'm I'm definitely quality starts over innings pitch, but I really like the point that Adam made about that giving value to those long relievers. So I'm I'm kind of cool with either. Chad, if you want to mix it up, we can do innings pitch instead of I've never done starts. innings pitch, so I'm sort of intrigued by it. So I, I say we do it. And All right. in, you know, October, if it was a terrible idea, we blame Adam. We never invite him back to the show and we switch <laughs> the category for next year. The only thing is we definitely have to figure out what the what the starts max is going to be yeah, per week. We we can deal with that separately. That's a good call. Or no, we we I'm sorry. We said this was Roto, right? Full season Roto. Yeah, but even so, I think we have to decide like is it going to just be like try to get as many innings as you can and somebody like oh my god, that would be awful. No. Yeah. No. We we got to figure <laughs> yeah, out no, we got we got to start some kind of uh maximum. So, we are 33 minutes into this episode. Well, recording time of 33 minutes. We're 33 minutes into recording this, and Adam is the manager of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. And so if I don't remember to put our break in, we might not get to record the second half. You might let us go like right now. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back. We are still going through the process of setting up the settings for our listener keeper leagues. We, we've got like five topics to cover and we've covered basically one. We sort of did two and one. We got, we got <laughs> scoring and standings done. Those so are big ones. The next thing I think we should talk about. So here, here's my question. I was debating the order to do this in. Do we, do we want to talk about how we're going to draft players or the roster or like, what's what's the right next thing to go to? I th- I think it's the draft because I think the draft will then influence how we think about keeper costs. Rosters is sort of separate, but we can deal with that. But and draft will also impact how we do in season pickups, right? Do you need to set a price for guys, stuff like that? So I think I think it's where we should start is draft or auction. And let for for to start, and I'll start with you, Pete. Like, do you prefer drafts or auctions in general? Forget these leagues for a moment, just in general. What what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. I, if Otnu has kind of converted me to auction, but that's a very unique setting. Like four hundred dollars, forty roster spots. You really space it out. I think I I prefer what I've been doing for you know years now, which is which is stake drafts for leagues like this. Adam, what do you think? I, I really I don't play in enough of them. My only auction league is my Otnu league, and it is. The, what I like about the most is that we do the auction live. We don't do a slow auction. And if I were to do another auction, I'd want to make sure that it was a live auction. You know, I participated in the slow auction mock, uh, Chad, that you put together a couple months ago at yeah. this point. And that was fun throughout the course of a long period of time. But I wouldn't want to do it like that for an actual league. I'd want it to be. I'd want it to be live, whether it's live virtually or live in person, doesn't matter as long as it's kind of happening all at once and you kind of get the the feel of it. So my gut is draft. There's also like a style of auction that I've always been curious or interested in doing. And I don't know if I made this up in my head or if I just learned about it a long time ago and just never activated it is a, a an auction that goes by rounds where you actually have to like the when you when you some the first auction first player you put up for bid you actually have to put up at a minimum dollar amount so you can't just put like mike trout up for a dollar you have to put if you want to put mike trout in the first round the first round set at like a minimum of 25 dollars or 30 dollars whatever it is based on the overall budget i was on that very interesting kind of gave a little bit more structure and it made it like it was kind of like a combination of draft and auction, a little bit more structure to the, the to the auction setting. I don't know that that would be fitting for what we're doing here. It's just one of those things I kind of wanted to throw out there in the ether to know that I've said it out loud and I'm not crazy. And it, it, it's something that actually yeah. happens. I do think that unless you're going to get everybody together live, though, I, I think draft is the way to go. Yeah. And that's that's why I started with this sort of in general, what do you prefer? Because I think in this situation, getting everyone together for two auctions or even one auction is, is I don't think feasible. So I think we're going to do slow drafts just for simplicity. I, I much prefer auctions. I prefer them because I think they offer more strategic options, right? And I think like if I believe that Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto are more valuable than anyone else believes they are, I should be able to, to act on that. 
And then I should have to live with the consequences of that, right? If I'm if I spend a ridiculous amount of money on those two and then have to figure out how to build a team around that, that should be that should be my choice. I should have the flexibility to do that. Similarly, if I think everybody is just way overvaluing all the first round guys, and I think I can build a team by having a bunch of second and third round guys while everyone else blows their budget at the top, like I should have that flexibility to do that. So I generally prefer auctions. I think like if for our listeners out there, if you are starting a league and you have the option to do auctions, I would do it. I think it's I think it's a more interesting way to go about building a league. I think you get more variety in how people build their teams. You get more. It's just a more unique opportunity. However, there's a reason drafts are more popular. They are simpler. They're easier to execute. And I think in this case, it's the right thing to do. So we are going to do slow drafts for both of these, which is not a surprise. For what it's worth, slow auctions. I'm in a couple of leagues. The listener auto new league that we started, we started with a live auction for three hours. So we had a live auction for sort of the studs. And now we've gone to a slow auction just to keep things moving. I have another another league that does, another auto new league that does a slow auction every year. It is not the same as a live auction, but it's interesting in its own way. I'm going to have a lot of effort trying to edit this the, dog. The out dog of prefers live auctions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now we're getting a sense of the dog's preference for these types of leagues. Yeah. Dog prefers live auction points <laughs> leagues, and there's no going back. Yeah, he does seem to. The funny thing is, I, so I have two dogs. And one of them has just been lying here the whole time looking at me like, what is the other guy doing? Like, why Why is he making all this noise? What is happening? But that's what's going on. Anyways, yeah. So I've done slow drafts or slow auctions. I like slow auctions. They are unique and different. They're not what we're going to do here. We're going to do slow drafts. So with that, we've talked about we're going to do slow drafts. The next thing to talk about, I think, is is roster size and lineups. I think we should talk about lineups first because the roster size, you know, your bench size needs to be based at least in part on what your lineups look like. So this is one of those weird ones where like, I don't even know if there is a what I would call a traditional because like ESPN does it slightly different than Yahoo and NFBC has their own thing going on. And I tend to be a fan of having middle infield and corner infield spots of going a little bit deeper in the outfield. Like I I like to have deeper lineups. I mean, where, where you're, I don't know, you're pushed to know a little bit more to go a little bit deeper into the player pool. What do you guys think? What, what are your thoughts on those? On like, let's start with the offense. Let's leave the pitching aside for a moment. So typically for points leagues, it's a smaller roster for head to head categories. It's usually bigger. And so, uh, for, well, first of all, let me get something out of the way. Two catcher leagues are stupid. I, I don't, I don't want a two catcher situation. I, it, if you got if you guys really passionately want two catchers, I can do two catchers. But I feel like if you're willing to spend an early pick on a catcher, you should reap the benefits of that. And I, I, I can't stand two catcher leagues. There's not two catchers behind home plate. Anyway, I'm cool with middle infield. I'm cool with corner infield. I like the five outfield spots and the one utility, and then obviously one for each of the other positions. I think that's a pretty good setup for a 12-team head-to-head categories league. That's pretty standard. Yeah, I'm, I agree, Chad, with what you're saying. I, I prefer something that's going to create a deeper roster. And so, honestly, the more positions you can put into your starting lineup, in my opinion, the better. I am probably in the minority, and I, I have come to prefer two catcher leagues. <laughs> Sorry for coming in so in, hot there. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not like tied to it so much where I'm going to put up a fight, <laughs> but especially in anything less than 15. So in a 12 team or a 10 team or a two catcher league makes more sense. Cause I mean, Pete, not to nitpick your argument, but yes, there's not two catchers behind the plate, but there's also not five outfielders in the outfield. And there's unless not they're in a shift middle infielders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
fair, fair. Imagine <laughs> you could do that on your fantasy roster. You can shift your second baseman to right field and just not play with the second baseman. And anymore. he just like gets outfield eligibility. That'd be awesome. Yep. <laughs> deeper you can make it the better especially on offense and that's what we're talking about right now I, i'm not a huge fan of having multiple utility spots or dh spots on my fantasy team like the one is fine but like i know that i think the standard yahoo is that they have it's three outfielders and two, two utility yeah. spots and no yeah. middle infield um, no i'd rather infield. exactly it's really weird so i'd rather have more specified like more roster spots, but specified roster spots. Yahoo also allows you to do infielder instead of just middle infielder or corner infield. And I would obviously prefer a, both a middle infielder and a corner infielder, not just like an overall infielder. And why a catcher is not eligible at infield, I'm not sure. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> if we did, if we did no util spot, you could just completely tank the value of Otani. Just like, <laughs> yeah, you could draft him, but. You can't you can't put him in your lineup anywhere. Sorry, Nelson Cruz doesn't get to be on someone's roster. That's uh, oh, that doesn't so seem. Sad. I think nice. we definitely want at least one util spot. I, so, <laughs> I, I am totally with you on five outfielders, middle infield and corner infield. I could see four outfielders instead of five, but I like Yahoo having three. It's like one of the things I've learned in my Yahoo drafts is like I'm just not going to draft outfielders. Outfielders. There's just no reason to <laughs> because I actually think in like a standard 12 team Yahoo league. If you were like, forget it, I'm going to make my last three picks outfielders, I think you could build a really strong team with with decent enough outfield to survive. Like, You'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You'd so, be fine. That's, so we're, we're definitely, I, I think we at least go four or five. Five makes sense to me. I don't play a lot of two catcher leagues. So now I'm sort of intrigued to see, like, I agree with what you were saying, Adam, that like, you know, the, the idea of two catchers should in theory be that if you were building a roster, not a lineup, but a roster for a major league team, you're going to carry a first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, shortstop, and a backup at the corners and a backup at the middle. You're going to carry your three starting outfielders and a couple of other outfield bats. You're going to carry a starting catcher and a backup catcher. So like to me, there's some, I don't know. I, I sort of like that two catcher thing. So now I'm sort of thinking maybe one of these should be two catcher. We can make it Adams league. And the other one should be one. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to push back. I mean, if people want to roster Kevin Plowicki, you know, Kona. <laughs> nobody you wants know, to do it's, that. It's it's a 12 team <laughs> league. You don't know who's going to roster. I mean, they could, I guess, but like, hey, Plowicki can rake. <laughs> that one time. That one time. <laughs> yeah, that one hit so, he had it was so sweet. <laughs> so right now, I've got him listed down as a two catcher league and a one catcher league, but both of them have middle infield, corner infield, and util, and both of them have five outfielders. We good with that? Yeah. All right. Pitching. I tend to prefer like one of my keeper leagues is five starting pitchers, three relievers, and there's no sort of flex pitching positions. I tend to prefer that, but I think I might be alone in that. That's the setting for my favorite league. Oh yeah. Yep. We have in my home league, they it's two starting pitching, two relief pitchers and three or four, I think we upped it to four pitcher spots, you know, the flex spots that you're talking about. I I mean, I tend to prefer all flex spots to give every manager as much flexibility and what strategy they want to go with. I mean, that also uh, matters on what the format is that you're doing. So obviously if it's head to head and you want to tank certain positions, you can put all of your starters in there and you want to tank, you know, the the saves category, You, you have more flexibility to do that. And, when you have the set 
relief pitcher and the set starting pitcher slots, it does give different valuations to players that have both eligibility, just like on the offensive side, you have multi-positional eligibility valuations that go up when you have two or three positions that you can, you know, put people at in, in those types of leagues where you have those set ones that you guys are talking about. Obviously, it changes the valuation of either the long relievers or the openers that gain starting pitching eligibility or the random the guy who was relieving all season until they put him into the rotation later on. And you can put him into the release spot if you really wanted to. I'm glad you added that, Chad, because that was definitely going to be that's a big (laughs) intern as you're editing our notes right here. You you want to make sure we talk about whether this is going to be a daily or weekly league. Yeah. And, it occurred to um, me that wasn't on the notes that, and it matters. Yeah. Now I was going to bring it up at some point just because I think otherwise this conversation decision, wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I prefer the more flexible option in my, in my experience. I like which, the, which the, is the opposite of what you guys are talking about. No, no, no. I mean, I, I if it's going to be weekly, then I, I do like the flexibility we have it. <clears throat> we're a head to head league. So it doesn't, I mean, I mean, we're a daily league, so it doesn't really, really matter, but it does stop people from just like, you know, starting nine pitchers on a given day because they're forced to have those three relief spots. Mm-hmm. But in a weekly league, like last year in my, I'm in a dynasty weekly league and I, I, I won it. It's a 16 team league. A huge reason for that was because of what you just said. I had a spark. I had Ranger Suarez who down the stretch, I was able to put into a relief pitcher spot as a starting pitcher. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's interesting. And like, it boosts the trade value of those players. But if we wanted more flexibility and creativity and gamesmanship, I think the flex spot is the best to have. Does it make a difference if we got inning pitched as a category in one of these leagues? Like, should we be in a league with innings pitched as a category? Should you be forcing people into using a certain number of relievers? Or should you actually, does that give you even more reason to have more flexibility? That's a good point. I'm going to I'm gonna defer to Adam here because he likes the innings pitch. I'm a quality starts guy. Yeah, and of course, that's the category that you're putting into the league that I'm not in. Um, <laughs> you want a traditional five by five. We, we, we delivered no, did, what you I wanted. No, <laughs> this was a good, I think this is a good question because it, I mean, I'm I'm also the type whatever whatever the whatever the rules are for the league I'm in like I'm going to learn all the rules and I'm going to make sure that I understand what the loopholes to those rules are and my loopholes I don't necessarily mean I'm going to subvert the rules themselves but like how can I utilize the what strategy can I come up with that's going to best kind of fit the rule book and this is not something that I've you know had a chance to like think over but again when you create more flexibility, you, I guess you gain more opportunity for people to come up with their own strategy based on what that is. But if you kind of handcuff people into having to put certain position, like certain pitchers into their lineup every day, whether it's daily or weekly, I don't think that matters that much here. You, I, I think you give opportunity for certain people in the league to get really creative and other people to just kind of like fit themselves into the mold that you've created. So you might give that one or two, those one or two people in the league, that opportunity to kind of shine by finding a way around it. So I might, I might end up pushing toward that in that, in the innings pitch, I think it might be better to keep, give a little bit more structure. So why don't we do that then? Let's do for the innings pitch league. Let's do five starters, three relievers. Sound right? And then do we want to just go straight up all flex, like eight pitching spots with no, or do you want to do like two, two, and four for the head-to-head? I mean, if you're going to do any flex, I'd say you make them all flex. All right. Let's just, is eight the right number? I think it's normally nine, right, Adam? 
NFBC is nine, and we you basically created the offensive rosters to be the same as NFBC. Yeah. So if you're mimicking that, okay, we'll do we'll do nine pitchers for that one. The other one is going to be five starters, three relievers. It's only eight total, but I don't think I don't think six starters or four relievers makes sense. So I would I, I'd still stick with five and three there. How many bench spots do we want? And I think this matters a lot in a keeper league because the ability to stash people, right? If you have like three bench spots, you're not stashing anybody because you're using those bench spots. If you have 10 bench spots, you could stash a bunch of people. What are your thoughts on the right number of bench spots? Well, I think it matters how many IL spots you're also going to have. If you're not going to have any IL spots, obviously more bench spots. But if you are going to have IL spots in addition, the bench doesn't necessarily have to be that large. Something to consider and I... I've read, I'm paraphrasing a lot of different tweets that have gone back and forth on the NFBC platform doesn't have IL spots and they've considered putting it in. But the argument against why they haven't is that when you have those IL spots and you have more stashes, then the, your waivers, your waiver wire is that much more depleted and it's that much harder to kind of fill those spots. And so I get the logic there. It's so tough in this day and age when, like we, my dynasty league, we upped our IL spots to infinite. <laughs> like we have an infinite amount of IL spots because it is a dynasty league as well. So it's like, you want to keep these players just because they're hurt. You don't want to have to drop them. Yeah. So I think that to your point, Chad, like it's a keeper league. You don't want to have to force yourself to drop a guy just to compete this season that you know is a, you have a strong feeling will be a really good value based on their keeper status for next year. And so I I would because it is a keeper league. I mean, I think I would push toward a either a larger bench or a average size bench with a decent amount of IL spots. Yeah, I, I think IL spots are a necessity. I, I just think like the way the game works right now. My guess is that whenever the season comes along this year, we're still going to be dealing with COVID related IL stuff. Like I just I'm I I'm not I yeah I think there has to be some amount of room for injury account like to, to account for injury. So I think at least two and maybe three IL spots, maybe infinite IL spots. I don't, I don't love the idea of infinite cause it seems just it seems like it should be, every. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't love that, <laughs> but I think like three might make sense. And then I don't know, Pete, what do you think on bench? I, I think if we're going for this, like major league look, then 26 man rosters, that would mean for the the league that's innings pitched and one catcher that I believe that would make it five bench spots. And I think for the other league, that would mean four bench spots, if I have that right. No, that would mean three. So maybe they want to boost it up a little bit. But I like the idea of keeping around 26, maybe 27 at most. But I'm, I'm sort of with to, to enter that IL conversation. I mean, all my leagues that I'm the commissioner of, I just boosted up the IL spots to, all, I think all my leagues are now at five or six just because of what you said about COVID. Now, hopefully it's not as much of a concern as it was last year and certainly the year before that as it relates to, to players missing time. But the NBA was hammered this year. I mean, fantasy basketball was a straight-up nightmare this year yeah. because of COVID. And fortunately, in my brother's league, we have a ton of IR spots where I was able to just constantly, I mean, every day it's like, all right, who has it today? Putting them in the IR, picking guy up to stream them. So I think it's important to have a lot of those spots. And I guess I mean, that's a keep piling on here. If it's weekly, the bench spots are a little bit less important because you're, you're not constantly funneling players in and out. Your lineup is usually is what it is 
on a week to week basis, assuming guys are healthy. So it's not as important to have a ton of bench spots. Yeah. I think the thing I like about more bench spots in a, in a keeper league, the other thing is that the ability for a contending team to sit on interesting young players that they can't use yet, that they could then trade is a really nice way to keep everybody engaged. Like, I don't know, having a guy who you called up and then they're stuck on your bench, but you can trade them to someone else is better than them being on your bench and you only have a couple bench spots and so you have to ditch them. So we've got our two lineups. We have 23 players starting in the league that Adam is in. We'll have 21 players starting in the other. So 23 is two catchers, six infielders that aren't catchers to Adam's point, a util gets us to nine, five outfielders gets us to 14 and nine pitchers gets us to 23. The other league has only one catcher and eight pitchers. So that's why it's at 21. I, I think at that point, they, they really like, I don't know, six bench spots, something like that seems like about the right number. If you want to have enough space for stashes plus enough to sort of work around those lineups. Yeah. Uh, I, I just consider it from the opposite end too, because, you know, at even one bench spot means the top 12 names on free agency are now on rosters and it's going to continue to water down the free agent market, which could lead to teams just being, you know, inactive. I remember I made a league that was way too deep and the top free agent available was Jamie Carroll one year. And I was like, okay, we, we did something wrong here. There's, there's too many, <laughs> too many <laughs> roster spots. So it's just something to keep. I think it's more interesting for teams when they go to free agency and there are guys worth picking up. So maybe we keep it to five. Sure. I might argue, Chad, that you maybe you keep the roster sizes in total for both leagues the same. And thus, the first league that has more active players gets less bench spots. Interesting. So if we did five bench spots for that league, the other one would get seven. And then they would... I mean, the free agent pool would be the same in theory yeah. um, as well, because obviously you have the same amount of players right. being rostered. And both of those leagues would go 28 deep then. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's going to be... And yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think, especially if you're looking at, and I tend to look at NFBC as kind of a standard, they, their rosters are 30 deep with no IL spots. Right. So this is 28 plus, plus three, three IL, IL spots. spots. You're in the, the free agent pool in a 12-teamer in NFBC is is fine. Okay. <laughs> Let's put it that way. There's definitely people that are worth grabbing at any given week. So do we want daily or weekly lineups? Uh, I mean, I... I, I feel like weekly is is what most people prefer. I'm crazy, so I, I, I prefer daily leagues, the the in and out, but I those can be a lot for people. And I think it's there's definitely a lot of strategy behind like what am I gonna do for this entire week and, and setting it for that. I guess if we're gonna continue to go along this world of making it seem like a real baseball team, I mean, we we make those decisions based on matchups and, and who are you facing this day. So like that's a real day-to-day 162 game grind that I'm I'm okay with, but I know most people prefer weekly. I definitely prefer weekly. I'm in three daily moves right now and I would not lo- love the idea of adding another daily move league on a different platform. Personally, I my argument against myself though is I do think the daily format for a head-to-head league works so much better than a weekly in a head-to-head format. In Roto, I think weekly actually works a lot better. But in a in a head-to-head in that matchup, what like Pete was just saying, like 
if you see your opponent doing a certain thing and you can make an adjustment on any given day throughout the week, you can sit, decide to sit certain starters at the end of the week because you've got your ratios or you've got strikeouts and you've got your win category or innings pitch already locked up then and you don't want to take a hit to the ERA or the other ratios, that's a strategy that you can take. You can't do that, obviously. You're stuck doing that in a weekly in a weekly format. So as much as it will pain me to add another one, I think the daily format works better in a head-to-head format. So do we want to do one daily and one weekly? Do the head-to-head as a daily and the season-long as a weekly? I'll be honest. I have a slight bias towards doing weekly and the season-long because that's the one where Pete and I are co-managing. <laughs> And co-managing is so much easier when you can like on Sunday, send an email and be like, Hey, (laughs) do we agree that these are the guys we want to roll with this week? Instead of literally every day having to be aligned the, the daily leagues that I co-manage and I've got, I've only really only got one that I co-manage on a daily basis. I just set the lineups. I don't even like my, my co-manager. It's I, I, it's with Niv, the guy who's, you know, the auto new creator. And we, we discuss lineup strategy. And we discuss, and we both have access to the lineup. So like he can go in and move stuff if he wants. But in general, I just set the lineups every day. And like, that's that because it's too hard to co-manage. So I do like the idea of having one of these be weekly, one of them daily, because I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both. And so I also agree with Adam. I think the daily moves in a head-to-head are just, they're just more fun. I I would argue if we're going to do that though, against daily waivers yes i'm in i'm in complete agreement on that yeah because i think if you have daily <laughs> lineups i think my my head-to-head keeper that has daily lineups that i that i love that's over on cbs we do it's effectively fab it's a little different because that's an auction league and so the dollar like there's a different way the dollars come into play but it's effectively fab that we do twice a week the idea being that you should be able to make moves and actually that one it's twice a week but if you drop a player you can't pick them up for 30 days so to so like we you have the flexibility to make moves, but if you're streaming, you better be able to stream deep, right? Like right. if you've got a, a, a starting pitching spot, you're like rotating through, you better have like 20 guys you can <laughs> rotate through because once you lose someone, you lose them for a while. I don't know that we need to do that here, but for the daily league, for sure, I would want to do some kind of fab or weekly waivers or something like that. For a weekly league, it probably doesn't even, it, it doesn't make much sense to do daily live, like, daily fab or daily waivers anyways because you're doing weekly changes so i think we're doing something weekly is is i mean this is this is probably a silly question but adam i suppose you would like us to do fab and not waivers or anything like that right <laughs> what, what would make you say that just just a um, hunch <laughs> i it's as if i talk about this at least on a weekly basis yeah for, for those um, by the way if if there is anyone listening who doesn't listen to on the wire um, first of all, you're, you're doing it wrong. You should listen, but that is really what on the wire is, is it is a focus on, on fab each week, uh, which now I'm against doing fab. Now that I think about it. Cause I feel like it's gonna, I, I'm behind you on this for sure. I'm not, I'm not going to be as good at it, but I, no, yeah, I, I prefer fab because there's a lot, there's a lot more to think about a lot more strategy involved. What I want to avoid. And when you said want to avoid doing the daily moves, the daily ads, I was, you know, I, did a double fist pump because what I want to avoid is the fastest finger. Like I want to avoid the opportunity of somebody being like, Oh, this guy's getting called up or whoever's first person on their computer to get into the league settings and hit add. And they have somebody to drop. They get them. 
No. There, so there's pluses to doing waivers because that does cut that down. But if you just do waivers, it's typically a rolling waivers. It's like you use your waiver, you go to the back of the line and then you, I mean, there's still strategy to that as well. Like we have rolling waivers in my home league and I'm constantly have the 10 or 11, 12 worst waiver priority, but I use that to my advantage where I'll pick, I'll, I'll pick up guys that are on waivers that nobody wants to use their waiver priority for and be able to utilize them in a streaming sense. And so I prefer fab because it gives, at least at the start of the season, everybody's at the same footing and you can kind of choose how you want to spend that money throughout the course of the season and how you want to budget that. So I I think there's a lot more nuances that go into that and it also gives everybody the opportunity to get the guy they want to your point chad earlier in uh, in the episode you talked about how you prefer auctions because if you value this guy at a certain amount you should be given the opportunity to get them assuming you didn't spend all your money already and so fab allows you to do that pete what do you think you you a fab fan or do you prefer waivers i definitely prefer fab over waivers for sure okay let's do fab for both leagues do we want to do, I mean, for the weekly one, it only makes sense, I, as far as I'm concerned, it only makes sense to do it weekly. You just do weekly fab, that's It'd that. Really it lines up if, with your lineups. It'd be really weird if you had a weekly roster, like you can set your lineups weekly, but you could still pick up during the week, but you couldn't do anything. actually put the player into your lineup. I agree. So that doesn't make any sense. For the other one, do we want to do, like I've done daily fab leagues. I've also done like twice a week. Do we want to do just once a week for the daily moves? Do we want to do twice a week and try to give people a little bit more flexibility to make moves, especially during a head-to-head matchup? I think flexibility is key in in head-to-head daily leagues. So I, I'd honestly be okay with daily fab. It at least gives everybody until, you know, whatever it is, 6 a.m. to find out that, you know, whoever got called up. So get your bids in if you want this player. And if, you know, you're so busy that you can't do that, then, I mean, it's going to be a tough year for you probably yeah. anyway. So... I, I sort of prefer doing it like twice a week. Like I think weekly for, for a daily moves league, I think weekly is too slow because I think like someone gets hurt on Monday and now you're stuck and there's not a lot you can do. And like, yeah, you've got your bench and you can work with your bench, but like, but I think daily, I don't know. I, I, to me with daily lineups and daily moves, you open yourself up to the, like, I need three starts. So I've got to go find three starters and who are the best three starters for tomorrow. And I'm just going to try to grab them. And yes, you then get into like, how much fab do I want to use? Am I willing to use my fab to try to grab three starters? Then your opponent gets to decide, do they want to try to block you from like, there's all sorts of stuff that goes into that. And I get that, but I, I don't love it daily, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not okay going to fight. For, I'm not going to fight against it. Adam, you want to be the, the tiebreaker here? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the logic of what Pete's talking about, the more flexibility in a head-to-head makes more sense. But I don't, I, I have such a hard time managing I, I, in the um, the PL staff leagues, I think are daily fab leagues. And I never know how much to bid <laughs> in a daily moves league. Yeah, I, of course, obviously a starter that's going to start the next day. You assume that, you know, the couple of teams are going to be in on that. But I mean, the thing with the fab league too, especially even a weekly fab league, Throughout the course of the season, you start seeing teams kind of just forget about it. You forget about sending their fab, and then you can, if you can see that coming, you can adjust your pricing for when you are being active. It, that's going to happen like 
five out of seven days a week in a daily fab league where you just you're most people are going to get the guy that they want just by spending you know anywhere between one and six dollars so i i would probably prefer to do it twice a week because of that fact and then it kind of consolidates everybody into it consolidates their attention into two periods where you know everybody's kind of paying attention to what they need for the week in the midweek and at the end of the week I'm assuming we do it like on like a Thursday and a Sunday so the Sunday for the next week moves and then midweek Thursday kind of similar how NFBC allow and Fantrax allows you to do midweek roster changes or or when you do weekly setups there's that there's that option as well so I think I prefer to do it twice a week rather than daily but cuz I do understand that it doesn't make as much sense to do it just once yeah I think the, the league that I'm in that does it twice a week does it Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. So you you, you get guys sure. for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you get new guys for the long weekend. But that's no different really than doing Thursday night. It's just a question of how you split it. Pete, you good with that? A two two times a week fab for that league? Yeah. And once... No, that's that's totally fine. All right. Then... I now have an excuse if I lose. Yeah, there you go. You needed to give in on something <laughs> just for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we want to do a minor league draft or do we like, I mean, my, so my, I guess to this, my thought on the minor leagues is if you're doing a keeper league, you, I want minor league players to be part of it. Cause I think that's, it's good for trading. It's good for the long term, And the only two ways to do that are either a, to allow people to use their bench spots on minor leaguers or B to actually like run a separate minor league system, right? You run a, a, a three round draft, five round draft, whatever it is, just for the minors, and then you call people up when you, when you want, or you set rules. Like some leagues have rules that, like player debuts, they have to be called up. What are what are your thoughts on having minor leagues? I mean, minor leagues have to be involved in a keeper league. Yeah. I agree with you completely on that. In my dynasty league, we do a separate. In most dynasty leagues, I think there's either the first year player draft or just a, you know an undra- un unrostered player draft a minor league player draft and that's how we do it and the thing is with so this is going to be on fan tracks and if i'm not mistaken like fan tracks has a lot of different flexibility a lot of flexibility in what the settings that you can set one of those settings though when it comes to minor leaguers is the forcing of players up from the minors into the major league roster based on their statistical plateaus i believe that's in like the paid version like if you want to upgrade the league. So if you are going to make this league into that and like, you know, make, have everybody cover the, the cost of that, that's great. Cause then it allows you to automate the the process. If you, if we wanted to go with a statistical plateau, but if not, there's going to be a lot more manual tracking and a lot more, a lot more on you guys as commissioners of these leagues to kind of like force people to force their hand into calling up a certain guy if they're not paying attention or if they just so, you know, they're trying to subvert the rules. So that's a good call. I think let let's table the discussion of how we what the what the details on those rules are when you have to call people up stuff like that. I think let's let's wait and see. I haven't looked closely enough at what Fantrax can and can't do. So, but I do think we should have a minor league draft. I do think in general, like to me, you do a minor league draft, you do it after or as the last three rounds or whatever of the actual draft. Because like if I want to draft, if I want to draft Spencer Torkelson or Bobby Witt Jr. on my 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 major league roster, 
I should be able to do that. And then once you're through that, whoever's left over should be eligible for the, the minor league draft. So I think the question we should just answer right now is let's for now, let's just focus on how many rounds, how many minor leaguers do we think we should allow people to stash? Well, I guess it matters how many players we're keeping, right? Yeah. Although we probably have to have a conversation about how, like, can you, like your minor league players, can they be kept unrelated? Like if, if you've got 10 keepers, do you also get to keep your minor leagues? Like my thinking would be in the minor league draft, you can keep, if you have a, a three round draft, you can keep them all, but you have to forfeit the pick. Right. And so like, but that should be separate from, it's like, let's try to explain this better. We have 28 man rosters or something we said, I think, right? 28. So we have 28 man rosters. We're going to have you keep whatever number it is. We're going to have you keep you separately. I think should have a minor league roster of, I don't know, at least three players and no more than 10, but probably a lot less because this isn't a dynasty league. Even two players might be enough, but whatever it is, you have a minor league roster that's separate and you should be able to keep those guys in the minors if they're eligible to stay in the minors independent of what you're doing with your major league roster. So if I can keep 10 on my major league roster, I can keep 10. If my minor league players, if none of them have been promoted and I want to keep them another year, I keep them in the minors. I just don't get to draft players to replace them. So can I just ask, because like, I've always assumed that like minor league rosters and drafts are really just for, for dynasty leagues. What's, what's the downfall of not doing this? And if a guy gets called up, he goes through the fab process and whoever really wants that prospect ends up with it. I don't think there's a, I, I guess to me, it's not that there's a downfall to it. I think it's more fun to have a, a minor league component in a keeper league, especially for trading purposes, right? Okay. So as a contender, having that minor league system to dip into, to improve my team, I like, but maybe, I mean, maybe that that's a good question. It's a good point. And I think maybe it suggests that one of these leagues should have a minor league portion and one shouldn't just to do something a little different with them. I'd be interested to try it because I've never actually done it, oddly enough. But well, I, I, the fact you made about like the the, the cash you have there to, to trade from, I, I kind of like that idea. But I just I envision like, all right, if we're like a 15 keeper that I wouldn't I wouldn't be considering keeping prospects anyway. So like, yeah, and now I get it. Like, OK, you can keep your entire minor league team. It's just all kind of foreign to so me. Let's, so let's do this. That's my way of saying whatever. <laughs> let's do this for the the five to five five by five head to head let's do a minor league draft for that let's not do one for the other at least for the first year we'll see how it goes and see what we think but let's 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 create some diversity in our leagues here with some different rules and that's one way we can do it but adam i know you were in favor of the minor leagues we'll include your league we'll have a minor league draft how many rounds thoughts on like i, I don't think we want like we're not getting a dynasty world here i don't think we want to do 10 i think it's like two to four, two to five, something like that. Yeah, if it's not a dynasty league, I totally agree. Like it should be kind of minimal, like two to four, I think it's fine. So if you want to just split the difference and say three, my question would be, is that is that mean that your minor league roster is three spots? Or does that just mean that it's going to be three rounds of players? And then if you want to trade for more people throughout the season, you can have more than three minor league eligible players on your quote minor league roster but you can maybe only keep three of them going into up yeah. to three of them Let's, because there's only three spots. So just because we're, we're far enough along here, I think we should table that for now. I think three is a good number to start with. I, I think the short answer from my perspective is yes, you should be able to acquire, like if you have three, you should be able to acquire more than them. There probably should be a limit and there should definitely be a limit on how you can keep them. So we can figure out like, 
Are you allowed to add two more without promoting anyone? Are you allowed to add three more? And we can figure out the rules for keepers and stuff. Like, let's let we, I think we can come back to that, but let's plan on a three round minor league draft for that. And we'll figure out the details on that later because I want to make sure we have time to talk about the keeper rules because that is, that's what we're all about here, right? So we now have, as a reminder, we have 28 man rosters. One of those is a five bench spot, 23 starter league. The other is a seven bench spot, 21 starter league. The one actually, this is sort of nice. The league that has five bench spots will have three minor leaguers. The league that has seven bench spots will not have minor leaguers. So you will have a little bit more room to stash people in that one. So I think we've, we have intentionally or not balanced this pretty, pretty well. I think <laughs> for me, for keepers, uh, so the, the questions I have down here for, for keepers are how many should there be a price? And if so, what's the price? And then is there a limit to how, how many years you can keep a keeper. In the interest of time, I'm going to tell you my answers in general to these three questions, and I'll let you guys react to them. The The number, it, I, I don't have a specific number in my head. I think it needs to be at least eight and no more than like 15, probably lower than 15. But I think it needs to be at least eight because like I want like a 20th round pick who has a good season to maybe be a keeper. Without, without it being like, oh, they had a good season. They're going to be like a 10th round pick next year, but they aren't a first round pick. So this doesn't make sense. Like, so I like to have like the, the deeper your keepers go, the more that comes up. But like, we're not a dynasty league and we shouldn't be going to like keep everybody. And I think there has to be a price of some kind. I think that price should either be the same. You give up the same round they were picked in or you give up a round earlier, two rounds earlier, or something like that. Again, same thing, like a 20th round pick shouldn't have to perform like a first round pick to be a keeper. And if you say like, if you say there's no cost, then you just keep your three best player, your eight best players, wherever it is. And that's, that's not, I think what we should be going for. And I don't like a year's limit. I think you should be able to like, the, the cost keeps going up, right? Like if you get getting in the 20th round and it costs you a 19th or an 18th the next year, then he's going to cost you a, another picker too high or another picker too higher. And it creates a natural limit. At some point you're like, I, this guy's not worth a second round pick, so I'm not going to keep him. That's my take. I'll let you guys, Adam, why don't you respond first? Thoughts on all that? Yeah, I like the idea. And I thought about this a little bit and just doing the math based on what we have for roster sizes. And I think that kind of fits is I like the idea of being able to keep a third of your roster. Kind of went back and forth between a quarter of your roster and a third of your roster. But I think is it, with a 28 man roster that I mean, I think that ends up being you know, that's about nine players. Um, yeah, so it kind nine. of fits in your window, Chad, that you're talking about. And so I like the idea just in general with Keeper League about a th- having the ability to keep, you know, I would say that you don't have to keep, you know, if you don't, if you just did a really bad job drafting keepers <laughs> in the first year and you didn't have a lot of value, you don't have to keep them all. But I would say the max, about a third of your roster, I think that's, I think that's a, a good number. Price, I agree, Chad, there should be a price. What that price is, I'm, I, I'm completely flexible on myself. I mean, in my in the league of leagues, it's a three round price. So if you, you know you draft somebody in the eighth round, you lose your fifth round pick. That's also because that's three sports being drafted all at the same time. So I probably my gut says that it shouldn't be really be more than one round price. You do want to you do want to reward people for finding those diamonds in the roughs, right? And like getting the Cedric Mullins in the twenty fifth round or wherever they got them in last year and letting them reap the rewards for that for the the rest of <laughs> the rest of their career right. as as they move on so uh yes i i'm in complete agreement with you that there should not be a year limit and 
I don't think you run into any issues with that personally. Otnu is a perfect example for this. It's like, yeah, you can keep Ronald Cunha forever, but if you, you know, bid him up in the first draft, like I just dropped him because yeah. he's just too too high priced. You know, I could keep him, but I know the cost is just not worth it. So, I, I mean, if you found somebody for a buck in, in his minor leagues and he, and he shot up and he was great, you're still obviously not new. You have arbitration, all that. That's going to affect it. But in this keeper draft setting, you know, let somebody reap the rewards for that. Pete, what about you? What's your, what are your thoughts on this stuff? Yeah, I'm on board with that. You know, I, I think nine's a perfectly fine number. I love the draft and, and I love being able to like reconfigure things. So the idea that you don't have to keep up to nine, I think is an important distinction to make that you can, you know, it's also good for parity because, like Adam said, if you have a bad draft, which it happens, you know, you don't you don't have to choose, you know, these nine terrible players. In terms of price, I I agree that there shouldn't be like there shouldn't be a contract limit, right? Like you know, you can only keep this guy for three years, or whatever. I don't really like that, but we do have to consider that you know, if if the rounds do go up, which obviously they should, that eventually multiple guys will cost first round picks. So in a way, there is a there is an expiration date on some of your keepers. Now, some of my leagues have different ways of dealing with that. So I'd be curious in figuring out what an art plan would be for that. You know, if you have two guys that now cost first round picks, you only have one first round pick to give. So does that become a second? Because now that second keeper is all of a sudden worth more because he's a first round player who you're only paying a second for. So it's just something that we're going to have to iron out. But I like the idea of them moving up two rounds each year. So if I took Cedric Mullins in the 25th last year, he's going to cost me a 25th this year. I'm going to get the benefits next year, 23rd, then a 21st, so on and so forth. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Pete, that brings up. If you have multiple players that are going to cost the same rounds and in the League of Leagues, I think it actually goes up around. I should know this because I commissioned that league, but it goes up around instead of down around. So if you have two guys that would cost like the 15th round, you know, one, one will be the 15th and one you lose your 14th round as well. So obviously that makes it in that scenario that Pete gave, whether or not you can't keep a certain player because there's not a zero round is, is something else to debate. Yeah. I think that's a, I think, I think that's a good question. I think it's something we can debate separately. Pete, any thought on whether or not you're required to keep nine? Like if it, if it's nine keepers, does everyone have to keep nine or is it okay for someone to be like, I don't have nine, I'm keeping seven? No, I think I think it's important to to provide the opportunity to keep less okay. for the sake of parity, especially because like for me, nine's a high number. So if somebody really is that far behind and somebody else has stacked keepers, we're you're going to keep them at the bottom. This is what I can't stand about Dynasty Leagues. That team's going to be at the bottom for a while unless they get really lucky in the draft. Yeah. Uh, so the ability to just say, you know what? No, I'm just going to keep Vlad and, you know, Luis Castillo and let's rebuild this thing. I, I like that a lot more. Okay. So in both of these leagues, then we're saying we're going to keep nine. There's no yearly limit or no number of years limit. There's no requirement to keep nine. I think in Adam's league, let's do a one round increase in cost because that was what Adam said he preferred. Pete said he preferred two. So in the other league, we'll do a two round increase in cost. I think we'll take it offline to discuss the last couple of things here, which is, you know, what happens if you've got two people in the same round? Can you keep someone who costs a zero with round pick, right? If, if, if you're, if you got a second round pick, are they ineligible to be kept because a, a two round cost is not possible? Or do you, does that still work? We'll have to figure that out. We can think we talk about that later. That'll also give our listeners a chance to weigh in. So you know where to find us at keep or cut on Twitter. 
So you can hit us up there and let us know what you think about those questions, about any of the other stuff we discussed here. For those of you who are in these leagues, you know who you are. Uh, we haven't, you know, none of this is written in stone yet. So if you've got opinions, let us know. We're going to try to get this locked down soon so we can start these drafts soon, uh, which is, that's really what I want to do. I just want to draft. I don't actually care about the settings. I just want to, <laughs> I want to pick players. <laughs> so we're going to do that soon. But Adam, Pete, anything else to add? Anything else we didn't think about? Anything else we should be discussing? I'm going to take it as a no. I think this is good. I, I think this is good. Just if not even specifically for these leagues, just people to kind of hear it out. And these are things that when you are building a league in general, there are a lot of things that you you find over the course of like one or five years of being in the league and things change. So you know, if you can get anything out of this, I was really glad that you guys kind of decided to kind of throw this all out there for everybody to hear and not specifically just for the sake of, Oh, how are they going to do these listener leagues? But if you're building a league on your own, like there's a lot of the stuff we talked about, you're going to have to think about and you're going to have to iron out and what works for you. So I think this was a really good topic. And it does stress the need to have a league constitution, have this written down yes. somewhere. In our last episode, Chad, we chatted about the new rule change to ESPN and how that's changing a lot of my keeper leagues. And I had, I had to think about all of these different things that we just did, including that that thing about a first round pick, like multiple players being cost costing a first round pick. And I, I ended up writing out all the rules that I could think of. It took up an entire single spaced page of a document just just because of this one new thing that ESPN added. So it's so <laughs> important you you clarify what your what your league's rules are. Yeah, we will we will be I will be writing up constitutions for these leagues. They probably I'll put them on Google Docs or something so we can we can share them everyone can look at them. The other thing that will be in those constitutions that I think is crucial for keeper leagues and dynasty leagues is a process for rule changes. So, you know, Adam, you just made the point that like you're gonna learn a lot as this league goes on. And we may find out that some of these settings don't work for this particular group of people or for this, you know, whatever it is. You need to have a process in place for like when are you going to discuss rule changes and are they, you know, is it a majority voter or a unanimous voter, or super majority or what is it? So I think it's just good to settle on that stuff. So we will, we'll cover that in these constitutions as well. Yeah. Lots of details to figure out. And I think this like, hopefully, I mean, we, we ended up with two leagues that have some differences, but a lot of similarities. I think hopefully what people got from this though, is like, there's a lot of directions you can go. There's a lot of different stuff you can do with mm -hmm. a league, especially when you get into keeper leagues and the different structures there. And, you know, there are keeper leagues where you keep three. There's keeper leagues where you keep 15. There's advantages and disadvantages to both. So take your time when you're setting up a league. Think through it. Make sure you make these decisions and then write them down. With that, we've been going for almost 90 minutes. If you're still with us, please subscribe, leave us ratings and reviews. We greatly appreciate them. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.